Hi, this is Madeline, a.k.a. Groisha, founder of Growing With The Seasons. Our new voice, season one, is the foundation of the intergenerational conversation. It's been in my heart to do. We need more mirrors and voices to inspire our choices. For in the reflection of each other, we all grow wiser. I know I have. To learn more or get involved in this and other co-creations and conversations, check out the website, gwtsfamily.com. We offer many ways to help you groom your authentic expression. Here we go. Thank you so much for being willing to play our new voice with me so we can begin to hear more about what we're understanding from the place we are in that rainbow spectrum of all possibilities. So thank you both for being here. Today we have Sarah and Melissa, and they are women in their 30s. And they have been in the circle of my life for quite some time. So I'm grateful that it's easy for us to meet in the part that's divine. So we're going to start with some questions, ladies. But hello, how are you? Good, how are you? Doing great, hello. Very nice, both looking shiny. Not that anyone can see that. All right, back to the voice. So we're going to be asking the same questions to all of you. And so some of the languages change, but here's what's coming in for the first thought is, how was it that you remember being uh, informed or kind of like taking note of the fact that you were the gender that you identify as? How did you come to kind of like get the perception of what it was that it is to be when you're a whatever you say you are? So... I started learning that I was kind of a girl in a weird way. Well, I don't want to say weird, but I went to a private Catholic school. So the boys wore pants and girls wore skirts. So that's when I started learning that by different parts means I wear different clothes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. How about you, Melissa? Do you remember something like that? Um, I mean, I think I just remember, you know, I grew up with two brothers and all of my family members like around my age were all boys. So I had a bunch of boy cousins and brothers and there was no girls like around my age group. So I just remember, you know, growing up being called a tomboy and, you know, kind of trying to understand what that meant, you know, like, okay. Yeah. And then I just remember around like second grade noticing a big difference like at recess because I always wanted to go play soccer and like sports with the boys and all the girls were playing like ponies and like, you know, a bunch of other games. And I just remember I used to be one of the only girls playing like the sports at recess and people would like say stuff and, you know, I guess that's where the earliest memories of me kind of you know, dealing with that topic. Yeah. Right. I mean, I don't really remember, but I do know from having my children, I remember them coming home. And I remember when I worked with the three-year-olds and the four-year-olds in the daycare, that they would start to tell me like, well, no, I'm a boy or I'm a girl or girls do this or boys do that. Like they were starting to identify with that word and that idea. And then they were prescribing <laughs> certain things based on that idea. Mm -hmm. It seems like the consistent response is that 
you got the idea and then you got all the information from the code book or the manual. It's not necessarily the upgraded manual, but it's like the information came in and you're like, oh, okay, so now I got to do this or I do this or I don't do this. But meanwhile, like, but I still like to play ice hockey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is it. Yeah, because yeah, I remember I loved playing Barbies too, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I had a boy cousin who loved playing Barbies and he would get made fun of by the other boys, you know? So it's like, all of a sudden, we kind of lock into our, oh, we're supposed to be this way because this is what we told we were told we were, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's obvious that it's a pretty mutual way that we're all imprinted with information mm-hmm. around that uh, particular part of how that shows up. So that as you grew to understand yourself as a person, you know, even though, you know, you identified, you both identify as females, yes? Yes. Yeah. So even though you were tomboys or felt different ways about things, so as you grew as as women, what were some of the ways that you uh, were challenged? You know, what were some of the ways that your nature of what you wanted and being a woman, where did those things meet? I guess I always was, you know, really into sports and I kind of have had an athletic, you know, I was kind of built athletically and, you know, like I said, I liked playing all the games with the boys and then I felt a lot more comfortable around boys, even as friends, a lot of times growing up just because I, maybe it was because of my brother's. Or, you know, I think a lot of times because I hung out with the boys, the girls would pick on me or something, you know, so I kind of like found a a lot of safety with like the men, even in like, I'm talking like second grade through sixth grade, you know, like, and then, um, yeah. That's an interesting thing, Melissa, because, you know, what you're talking about is something that's like, you know, the shadows of the closet, because other girls, just like, you know, people, you know, other women make other women feel bad. Mm-hmm. Right. Like there's some type of cattiness that exists in one of the levels of our relationships where in order to uh, be happy for somebody, we sometimes we do stuff that doesn't say we're happy. We do stuff that tries to make us feel better because we're maybe jealous or confused or don't understand that person. So we're putting them in some category of like mocking or making them uncomfortable because we're uncomfortable, you know, like that projection of discomfort because these girls can be really hard on each other. I mean, uh, I also enjoyed the boys, but I was close with the girls too, because I had sisters, but I was that sister that would be really annoyed if the girls were doing stupid stuff to each other. And I would just like keep everybody at their spot with my sarcasm and tongue. So it wasn't necessarily the prettiest way, but it was under the same understanding. It's like, no, we can't do that to each other. We can't make each other feel bad. But then meanwhile, mm-hmm. I was making people feel bad, but try to make sure nobody was going to feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so that's an interesting thing to touch on, that sometimes the ability to really love and accept ourselves as whatever we identify also has to do with whether or not the things around us, how they respond to us. Definitely. So for me, I guess it wasn't until like mid-20s, late 20s that I started feeling comfortable even in my own skin or even what that skin meant. Oh, so gender didn't matter. It was just you as a person, like your squirreliness was... (laughs) 
Yeah, sorry, that's so wise. I think there's truth in that too. I can relate. Yeah. I was like, oh, I don't know if I like this human thing. You know, I don't even want to get into like gender yet. Like I was like, being human's kind of weird and awkward for me. Um, so I started first finding acceptance for me in therapy, individual work. I kind of did like a social detox almost like people's influences were way too much stimulus stimuli for me. It was way too much of overwhelming, like all these different inputs, like this is who you are, you know, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like before you tell me who I am or, you know, try to influence that, let me try to figure out who I am. And I did that with like a trusting therapist. Um, And then I started finding more me in different groups of people. So I would go to like women groups and learn about meditation and like chant. And I felt so at home in those circles. So I started defining my womanhood as almost like meditation and soulfulness and flowiness and that's where I started finding more, more acceptance in my gender for me and like those little pockets. And today as a, you know, 32 year old, my comfort zone is hiking with women. I love it. You know, there's something so empowering being in nature with just women on a hike that is just indescribable for me. And it feels like home. It feels like home as a woman with other women for me. Well, that's beautiful, Sarah. That is beautiful. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, we used to do that a lot. We'd go up to Shuliff Mountain, a group of women and I. So you just gave me a beautiful flash. We'd tarry our drums up that mountain and we'd sit up there. And like, it was really like you had permission to pray, get permission to lay down. Like everybody broke out their stuff and everybody got themselves comfortable. Like, Let's lay down our hearts here together and let's sing some songs and have a little fire, ladies. Like, you know, so I, I'm with you there. That's a beautiful dream. Glad you live local. Anyway, so, <laughs> so, so that's, that's an interesting way to understand that we become it when we're actually comfortable enough to become it. And sometimes however you meet the world affects how much you can take in as far as some of the nuances of there being even more to it. You know, there's basic, just like, I just got to get comfortable inside the fact that I'm here and I'm myself and I'm responsible for things. And I think you touched on something that's a big influence for a lot of people is other people's voices, especially people that are perceived to be our role models or our authority or our family, you know, like what they say can really have an effect, especially if you don't necessarily kind of match up with the same story they're singing you know like you kind of know that you're a little different and then you're with these group of people like telling you like you got to do like this you're like yeah no that's not gonna happen Mm -hmm. yeah it seems like in your in like the earlier years you're you're really just coming to terms with your physicality you know who you are and the woman you're becoming and all the changes that are happening and you're learning how you know to accept your yourself as a physical being and then I felt like come my 20s was when more of the spiritual you know side of becoming a woman kind of came in and uh for me it started with um I would say a huge transformative part of my life was joining a woman's new moon group and you know there was about six of us that formed a very 
you know, consistent group. We showed up every new moon and we made intentions together, sang songs, pulled cards, made a fire, you know, whatever we were inspired to share and, you know, do to come together and meet each other. And it was just such a safe space and so supportive. And I think in that moon group, you know, when everyone's sharing the deepest parts of their fears or their insecurities that they wanted to release or these things, we kind of started to realize that we were all the same deep down core, you know, all the things we were going through, all everything we were afraid of, everything we wished for ourselves and for each other and for women in the world. Like it was, they all had such a similar, you know, we all had such similar visions for things and it really united us. And it really like, felt like it helped unite all women in a sense, because we realized how deep down, you know, we're all the same. I think that was really a huge awakening, especially, you know, like I said, I I did have a lot of like competitive sports and all these things. And, you know, in the earlier years, there was a lot of competition, you know, between women and it just didn't feel as supported. Like everyone felt, you know, different to me. Like, I don't know, but, um, once we came together and shared in these really, really vulnerable ways, um, it felt like it was a uniting of women. And uh, people even said they felt it throughout like the whole city. Like when we took that energy out into, we lived in a pretty small town, Savannah, Georgia. And when we took that energy out, it was like all of a sudden you could feel this opening to like all women. So, yeah, that's kind of this first time I think I felt that yeah that's beautiful I really I really resonate with so much of what you said there around how we're all basically the same I mean it's like we're all our own version of Mary we're all coming from a similar kind of frame of of just femininity and wanting beautiful things for ourselves and our families I found that too but there's definitely ways that there was times where certain types of personalities wouldn't necessarily make as much room for another personality or vice versa. But when you got past that and you got to the vulnerable part, you'd be like, Oh my God, we're all exactly the same. She's just right. in her rainbow frame and I'm doing it in my exactly. color. She's doing it in her color. Exactly. You know? Right. It's like, if you peel away all everything and you get to the very core, you know, that is where we're united. Like, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And guaranteed, if even if you brought in, you know, men into that circle and, you know, got down to that very, very core, I feel like just as human beings, we have a similar way, you know, like a similar, just simple. It gets pretty simple. I guess that's what I'm saying, you know. Mm. Well, let's bring them in. Let's bring in the uh, the way that the feminine interacts with the masculine, because it seems like a lot of the time that us women are talking to each other, we're usually talking about dynamics of what we're learning about ourselves and relationships with either other women or our family members or our partners. So what are some of the ways that you guys are experiencing the, the life school classroom of relationships? What are some of the notes you're taking in those classes? <laughs> Sarah? <laughs> um, oh boy, has that shifted for me. <laughs> Just so grateful it's happened a lot of it with the same person and our love has like transformed because of it. Oh, that's beautiful. 
Yeah, thanks. Um, like we've been our greatest teachers and, um, you know, my partner sometimes says that, you know, I've helped him so much and he has, I try to explain it to him, but he has no idea how much he has helped me um, and been such a great teacher and uh, support in my life. Um, and I started dating him in my 20s. And my definition of relationship at that time was, so you take care of me, right? You're going to like babysit me and stuff. <laughs> you know, because I'm bored. So you have to spend all your time with me, right? Because if you don't, then you don't love me. And if you don't love me, then why, what are we doing here? <laughs> so, um, and that has kind of changed. So, oh, cool. So we're both like dancing on this like path called life and we're on a journey. You know, we kind of want to do it together and like support each other and help each other grow. That's really cool. I like the way you move and this is how I move. And so it has really shifted so much. And, you know, it's about meeting, like I've learned, I have to meet my own needs. That's my job. And boy, when I realized that, I was like, I gave that power away. Like, oh. <laughs> okay, cool. So I take care of me and we can have fun together. Like we can have fun and explore and have adventures together. And we can learn about life through our dis- dialogues and our discussions and our experiences. Like, that's really cool. So that's a little bit about like relationships and, and how they've kind of changed for me. And and I'm just like kind of grateful to be on on this side of of that right now. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I think there's definitely something about there just being like a somebody willing to be a friend to you while you grow to learn you and be you. I mean, Miles and I have been like that too. It's been really a wonderful, like consistent, you know, honest reflection and then you just kind of like learning yourself through that container sometimes to a degree you know and seeing where you get sloppy and when you're just like no everyone has to have this feeling I'm having this feeling no everybody should have this feeling and the men in my house are like no actually we don't want to have that feeling and we're not gonna have that feeling and I'm just like hello somebody can we talk about this feeling so it can move through me because nobody in my house wants to have any feelings or at least not my feelings so uh, yeah I think it's a beautiful thing the way our relationships teach us everything yeah I like to think about um you know if you call your partner like your soulmate you know like we have different soulmates and uh, the way I think about it is like you know I'm here for your soul's growth and whatever capacity that means, you know, if you need to lean on me a little more and need me to help a little more in this circumstance, and that's what's helping you grow right now, then like, I, I'll be there for you. Or if you need to go and like, make some boundaries and, you know, do you for a little bit, and uh, you know, then I'm just gonna, I'll do me for a little bit. And we're, we're gonna grow that way, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so yeah, I like to think of it as like, we're here for each other's soul's growth. And, you know, there's no selfishness attached to that because, you know, you want to see the person you're with just light up and become their best selves. And, you know, so, yeah, whatever I feel like I can do to support someone in that. And even if that's just be a reflection and offer advice or, you know, 
and, you know, having some heart to hearts, honest conversations about where we're at or, you know, things I've noticed or, you know, whatever. It's like, I think I've also heard it being worded as kind of like taking, accepting like someone else as a, as yourself is what love is the definition of love. Mm. And, um, you know, so in that sense, you know, there's an, you know, an unselfishness about it. You know, it's not like, what can they do for me? What can they do for me? It's like, well, what can I do for you? You're, you're me, you know, you're a piece of me. So like, you know, there's just this, a synergy there, mm-hmm. you know, giving and receiving, you know? Ooh, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> all reasons. So yeah, that's what's up. So yeah, I agree with all that. That's nice stuff, ladies. Our ending time is about kind of pulling up what we grabbed out of this, you know, kind of bringing it into a high perspective and then using some kind of mantra to wrap up the time together. So what would you say would be our um, takeaways at this point so we can kind of stay in a a good way with what we're sharing because we just don't want to bring anything up that holds us into anything less than that current that flow of divinity of femininity of creativity in our bodies so what are we carrying from this call so i'll say that innocence and nature are in us all and that there's a a simpleness to us all and that we are aware of that and as we close up that's one of the things i would want to put into there is that as uh, melissa mentioned when we get past all of the things that we've created to try to, you know, be safe or get what we think we need or blah, blah, blah. There's a, there's a general, excuse me, simple, interconnected, like safe friend base that exists between people. Boys, girls, 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 boys, boys. Mm-hmm. I like to think of it, I like to call it the one heart. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. There you go, the heart hive. Mm-hmm. We're all doing our part in the story of the heart. Mm-hmm. So to get to where you can see that person in that way. Yeah. Um, boy, being a girl can be fun at times. And I uh, can't wait to see where it goes from here. <laughs> yeah, because that's the other thing. It's constantly changing too, you know, like in at least... Well, I mean, I guess for almost all history, you know, but in even the short 30 year span that I've been here, 31 years, it's like, you know, you've seen that definition of woman change so much. And uh, it's it's definitely going to be interesting to see how it all keeps keeps growing and changing. And um, yeah. How we all keep growing and changing, you know? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So we need to buzz out or do some kind of a mantra ending. So, you know, I love bee buzzing because I think it's fun. But uh, (laughs) anything that feels uh, inclined. um, I'm not grabbing like simple words for some reason. Like, you know, sometimes I can grab a phrase. That's not happening yeah. for me in this. So I, I, I'm coming in like with too many things to say as we wrap up. 
but uh, I feel like well, this was a really authentic conversation and this is the kind of vibration that I'd want to put more out of. So in that way, I said a prayer that we continue to meet in this safe way in this room and that we're able to recognize that wherever somebody is is where they're at and that the base, we're all the same and that it's important for us to be kind and compassionate this time and that it's a really amazing time to be a woman or a man or alive and to thrive and we're just really happy to thrive together. Hi, this is Madeline again. If you're interested in learning more about co-creation and building a new foundation, check out the website gwtsfamily.com and get involved. Join us in growing this frequency of more peace and harmony and possibility. How can we find harmony in this family? Please teach me. Show me the way. I know. The way will open. Where is it? Where's the fire? Rhythm in the middle. Stay centered. Stay true. Do what you're here to do. That's what'll soothe your soul. Rhythm in the middle. Rhythm in the middle. Rhythm in the middle. 